Welcome to another episode of Rich in Relationship. And today we are going to talk about the question, are you sitting on the fence in your relationship, in your marriage? And joining us today is Karen McMahon, who is a relationship and divorce coach and actually kind of mentored me in my early days. She sort of told me what the territory was ahead. I don't know if you remember it, Karen, but I remember the conversation vividly just to talk. And it was so helpful to talk to someone who had an established business and have an understanding of what I was walking into. Karen is with Journey Beyond Divorce. How are you today, Karen? I'm great. Thanks so much for having me on, Rich. It's it's great to have you. And you know what's great about this is um, my VA found Karen's VA. And then we got on. It was like, oh, we've met before. This is cool. <laughs> So Karen, how did your heart lead you into this work? Yeah, great question. And I think so many of us have a similar story. I uh, I was in a, a short um, marriage and um, that, that seemed like my dream relationship and, and then not so much. It ended up being a very high conflict situation. And so I found myself uh, heading toward divorce with two very young children, and it was uh, an incredibly difficult experience, and yet it was also a, an amazing catalyst for uh, refining me into a better version of myself. And when I emerged from that, <clears throat> I could no longer do what I was doing as a career. I felt I needed something more meaningful. And that led me into life coaching, which is all about transition. And divorce was the obvious transition for me to focus on. Oh, right. We're both IPEC grads too. I remember now. That's right. Yeah. That's right. The greatest coaching <laughs> school in the world. There you go. Yeah. Uh, and you know I, what I know about IPEC is that, that we're encouraged to pick a niche and it makes perfect sense given the experience that you had uh, and and your values and how you live your life and the principles that you live by that you would take that really horrible divorce experience and transform it into a victory you know by helping others yeah and that's exactly i say i i turned my greatest pain into my greatest passion and i i've started a journey beyond divorce in 2010 and um, and we now have uh, seven coaches besides myself on the team. And it is such an incredible gift to support people as they enter that very dark and scary tunnel of divorce to understand um, both the emotional journey and the practical journey and how to navigate it with some grace and dignity and feel good about themselves when they emerge on the other side. Dark and scary tunnel indeed. And uh, there, because there's oddly still stigma attached to it. There's still, there's fear around it. Uh, there's a, the system has a <laughs> reputation for creating contention. And so no wonder that people think more than twice about whether they're gonna enter it. You know, before, like uh, sitting on the fence, like if it's all right with you, can I share my experience sitting on the fence? Yeah. Because yeah. I think it relates, I think it relates to this thing of the stigma. Uh, I was never. I got into this business because uh, my parents had a horrible divorce, and I was never going to get divorced because I was never going to do what those people did. I thought I had an F word that, that fits that spot, but we're, for some reason we're keeping it very clean today. 
probably every day for some reason we're keeping it really clean. And so I was never going to be like them. And what happened there was five years into my marriage, I realized this is really not working. I mean, we're both showing up as not the people we want to be in life in so many ways. And, and it's hurting my kids, our kids. And because I was, I was never going to be like my parents, I thought, no, I'm, I'm not going to do this. I'm going to make it work. And I yeah. hung in there. But for those five years, I already knew it was no good. For those five years, I was literally, really, I was sitting on the fence for those five years. And it wasn't until it just got, the agony got so intense. And I think it was like looking at the my kids and seeing how it was impacting them. You know, seeing that <laughs> that no matter how much we pretended that it was okay, they knew it wasn't. You know, that finally I took the fence post out of my ass, you know, and took an action. So let's talk about this, this sitting on yeah. the fence. Uh, how does it, how does it show up for you with the people that you work with? Yeah. And, and it's one of the most difficult and excruciating decisions to make. And especially if there are children involved. And I actually have a very similar story to you. I come from divorce. And so I was never, ever, 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 going to get divorced, which just kept me in a bad situation until I was able to let go of some of those never evers. And the fence was quite far up my butt as well. <laughs> and I just got to the point where, and I think so many people feel this way. It's like you're sitting on the fence and especially when there are children, it's like, I'm holding everybody's future in my hand and I have to make this decision. And so the decision is hard. And then the judgment that you're holding everyone in this um, limbo by not making the decision as hard. And so, so many deal with this. We're doing a program um, in early 2023 that's get off the fence. And it's specifically for high conflict, get off the fence um, and uh, create a plan and leave your high conflict marriage in six weeks or less. And, and for those who are facing, who are living in a high conflict relationship, there's even more. There's mm -hmm. there's the loss of self, there's the, the criticism from the other, there's the self-doubt that is so overwhelming, there's a complete sense of loss. And so whether you're in a, a, a healthier relationship that's falling apart or a high conflict relationship, that decision about whether to stay or go is hard and it becomes very murky because as you said earlier it's like there's family beliefs there's history there's culture there's religion there are all of these stories swarming around so how do you get clear on whether or not it's right when there's so much chaos and noise between your ears yeah i remember very distinctly it for me it was about i'm never going to put my kids through that and then so you know you i started to realize that maybe what i was putting them through was worse you know by yes. staying together and, maybe it was worse and i think that's one of the things that that we talk about in the program is uh you know, so often, right? I'm not going to do this because I want to do what's right for my kids. And you start thinking about, okay, so what does your intimate relationship look like? What are the messages and the belief systems that your children are developing just based on watching mom and dad, you're holding hands, you're hugging each other, you have each other's back, you talk about loving each other, or no, no, we're, we're two friends at best living under one roof, or there's anger, there's contention, there's belittling and berating, whatever it is, 
a great question to ask yourself is if I'm staying for the children, what is the message that the way that me and my spouse relate, what's the message that I'm giving to my children? Because I was listening to your episode with Brooke Olson, talk about breaking generational chains. If you stay for the children and it's unhealthy, then the children are going to go out and they're going to recreate being either mom or dad or a mix of the two of them, that relationship as their intimate relationships. And so if that's okay with you and you think that's good, then that can help inform your decision. But if you're like getting scared as you hear me say that and thinking that's the last thing I want my son or daughter to do, then that too can inform your decision. I think there are a lot of parents out there and I encounter this a lot with clients who I work with where they are in a contentious relationship but they are managing the contention so that they are not doing it, doing it in front of their children. And so they think it's okay. And uh, I find myself saying to them, you know, your kids, they may never see you fight, but they know something's not right. I mean, when they go to another house, they feel the relationship yes. that those parents have and they compare it to the feeling that's going on in your house. And if you and your partner are not experiencing partnership, your kids know it. Even if you're not fighting in front of them, even if you're uh, very polite and courteous in front of them, they know that there's tension there. And uh, you know, again, it goes back to that question of what are we modeling for our children? What do we want them? Do we want to model for them that marriage is about living together unhappily, but not fighting in front of the children? Right. Absolutely. I, I agree a hundred percent. And, and so I think that part of it is, is figuring out, well, what are my greatest fears? What's keeping me from making this decision? And if you, if you actually put pen to paper and you start writing them down, we just address the children. Uh, a big one is just the unknown, right? And so, um, what you don't know is going to be scary. And it's so vitally important to educate yourself. And so many people choose to educate themselves about the divorce process by talking to their friend or their sibling or listening to what their spouse thinks. And the truth is, if you want to learn about how divorce works, you speak to a matrimonial attorney. You find out what your rights are. Even if you never want to go to court, you you absolutely positively should speak to somebody who is a legal expert, who understands the laws in your state, who could explain to you just the basics of um of what happens and what you need to know and what you need to gather. And that way you begin to have somewhat of a roadmap to see, okay, if I'm going to go down this path, let's let's put a couple of uh, street lights along the path. <clears throat> nice. I love it. So the first step is to, you don't have to make a decision, but you do want to have movement and movement looks like exploring and learning. And I just want to throw in there that you don't, exploring doesn't mean that you're moving towards divorce. It doesn't mean that you're <laughs> moving towards a better marriage it means you're exploring uh, and right. and what you learn in your exploration will inform you as to which direction you want to move and my my therapist so many years ago said to me karen going and speaking to a divorce attorney is not getting a divorce and figuring out where you'd get the money if, if you only, needed a retainer if only, if only you just got a divorce by speaking to a divorce lawyer 
It would be so much and, easier. And, but, and I say this because I think for all of us, every step feels so monumental. Yes. But when you, when you break it down, going and doing a consult is nothing more than doing a consult and looking at your finances to see where the retainer would come from is nothing more than looking at your finances. And so each step of the way, and even if you retain, I retained an attorney and then put him on hold for nine months, retaining attorney is not getting a divorce. Everything that you can do to continue to take baby steps in that direction is going to be very informative as to whether or not you continue on that path, make a U-turn, make a left turn, whatever you decide to do. Baby steps. I love it. And I love, you know, there's an irony here, right? Because what we're preaching to people is you can take actions, but you don't have to make a decision, which almost sounds like, oh, you're just sitting on the fence. You're just dragging your butt on the fence, but actually no. You know, when you start taking actions, when you start exploring, when you start informing yourself, when you start understanding the territory, right? Any good journey, you don't decide to fly from New York to Los Angeles without having a flight plan. And if you're not sure how to get from Los Angeles to, to get to Los Angeles from New York, then you have to do what? You have to explore how, how do people do that? What's right. the territory? How is it done? Uh, how much, if you're a jet pilot, you know, how much fuel do I need? Where might I stop? Where, where, you know, where's the airstream? What storms might come up? You know, you, you need to have that information before you Gathering. actually leave the airport. Yeah. And, and the, when we created this program that we're launching next year, we really slowed, we said, slow it down. What exactly does somebody who need, who wants to get off the fence, but they're afraid and so on a practical level, they need to understand how the process works. They definitely want to meet with an attorney. Uh, but there's also the question of what do I say? How do I say it? When do I say it? So there's a plan. So there's actually all of these pieces of creating a plan uh, about, about when and how and what you're saying. And if it's high conflict, um, what you need to put in place to be safe and who's your support team, both professional and personal. And so when you have and on top of that, emotionally, are you reactive rather than responsive? And can you start working on that? And have you lost yourself? And what is it going to take for you to kind of tap into your intuition and trust your own decisions? And so there's this container that we offer that allows people to expand and build and grow into the decision to leave so that they are fully equipped with everything emotionally and practically that they need. And the reason that we've decided to do this is because it's, what do they say? Going from sta standing still to moving is the, is the, it takes the most energy. Once you're in movement, you can continue to move. Yeah. You've been married 10, 20, 30, 40 years. That first step is the hardest gathering all that information and getting yourself off the fence is so liberating because there's this 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 secure um uh container that you're moving in that allows you to then enter the process with a little bit more comfort and certainty and i say a little bit more because it's divorce there's a lot of uncertainty mm -hmm. well in all of our lives there's uh, what we choose to over here to call an ecology, right? We're part of something bigger. Uh, so that 
you could cut that up a lot of different ways. Like if you're going to cut it up in the six basic ways, there's kind of our individual ecology, which is our spirituality, our physical well-being, our personal development, our primary relationship, our family and our career. Those are like six basics. But then, of course, you could cut that up into a lot more. There's there's community, there's extended family. So how does this exploration um, take into account the ecology of our life as we make this decision? Which I think is a, important to people. They're sort of like, oh my God, if, we're, if I get divorced, what's, what are my parents gonna say? What are his parents gonna say or her parents? Or what's gonna, what are the kids' cousins gonna say? What's gonna happen at my job? So how do, in this exploration, how do we take into account the ecology? Yeah, you know, it's it, it's such a great question. And it actually brings up the issue of there's so much to do. So often someone's worried about whether or not they're going to keep the marital home or whether or not they're going to lose the neighbor friend across the street in the earliest stages when that that doesn't need to be considered or addressed until a little bit later on. And so one of the things that we do is we talk about a child built in this like early, early stages, we definitely want you to know what you want to say and what you don't want to say to this person that you're going to divorce. And then, and then the kids, we want to bring that early part into it because once you tell your spouse, telling the kids, unless the kids are super young is like the very next step. And so, um, there are the things that you really want to have in place to to tell and leave. Um, and then there's everything that follows. And for us, uh, our goal is to give people uh, what they need when they need it and to really call on them to not take on the burden of all of the decisions in the very early stages, because what's going to happen is you're going to stay on the fence. Gotcha. You're just going to sit might, frozen. It might be the, the ecological uh, considerations that are an excuse to stay on the fence. Yeah. And, and even that roadmap, right. When you give someone a bird's eye view that says, yeah, you know what, your social circle is going to change and you're going to need to address how you want to handle that, but not on day one and probably not on week three. So let's put it in perspective to everything. And then let's make sure you have what you need when you need it and that you're not working on step 10 when you need to be working on step two. Well, I mean, to some extent that depends on your personality also. I mean, there are person, there are people who uh, I'm working with a client right now. Who's, um, who's a C-suite executive who he feels he needs to have every I dotted and every T crossed and really understand every potential outcome before he moves. And that's just how he's wired. And actually one of his complaints about his wife is that she puts everything off to the last minute you know, and that she's very spontaneous, right? So those are two different kinds of personalities. And yep. so, you know, for someone like him, it might be more important to think about the wider impact before he moves, because that's just who he is. And for his wife, obviously, she's just going to be like, I get it. This isn't working. I'm done with this. You know, it's time to move and then figure out the consequences afterwards. Not that one is better than the other. They're just two different ways of approaching life. Yeah. And with everything, I think that what what we do as coaches is we, especially when we create programs, there is a paradigm and then there has to be amount of flexibility for individuals. If you have a really um, 
amicable garden variety divorce, you're going to also go about it very differently than if you're in a high conflict divorce or a complicated um, high net worth divorce or an international divorce. And so taking all of these aspects into consideration. And, and I think that you and I would agree that we, we meet people where they are. And when we create programs like the one I'm talking about, it's not going to be for everyone. Your C-suite guy would not fit it. Whereas other people will be like, this is, this is exactly what I need. I guess. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know about the, enough about the program. He might be a perfect fit. I don't mean, like, what do I know? So tell us who is a perfect fit for the program. Well, the the we're launching it first for um, those in high conflict divorce, and so uh, he's he's in a so, high conflict divorce. Yeah, so individuals who are in a high conflict divorce um, who also feel that they've um, they've lost their footing. It's often it's often not always often um, the the wife that we're working with in this high conflict divorce. You've lost yourself. You're scared. You're scared about. Um, okay. not having access to your kids or money Sounds or like whatever. Sounds like it's not just high conflict, but there's some toxic toxicity on the other side. I don't know that there's a high conflict marriage that doesn't have toxicity on the other side. Well, there, uh, there are- Or on both sides, right. actually. There's, I would say right. on both sides. Well, but I mean, there are definitely people who are in high conflict divorces where their partner is emotionally abusive and they're not. And where their partner is narcissistic and maybe they grew up uh, in the person who's receiving it grew up in an environment where they're used to being treated that way. Then they have children and they and they're like, oh, my God, I can't let my children be treated like that. And that's when they sort of wake up and go, what am I doing in this relationship? Yeah. So, I mean, I I. I tend to specialize in high conflict divorces. It's certainly what I experienced. And the truth of the matter is uh, the high conflict individual um, may have um, uh, mental health issues. They may just have a lot of anger management issues. They may have addictions or alcoholism. So they're gonna have attitudes and isms as we call them in the 12 steps, uh, the behaviors that are very, difficult to be in partnership with yeah. the spouse of the high. And I want you to hear this. If you're in this category, the spouse of the high conflict marriage comes in with equally the same amount of baggage. It's just different. We yes. are the codependents. We are the people pleasers. We are the perfectionists. We are the self-critics. We are the ones, we're the martyrs of the world who will do and do and do, and then be really angry at the other person that we did so much. Mm -hmm. And so there's, that's the person that we want to support to find yourself, own your part in what went wrong in your marriage, critical, vital, and then begin to move forward to well, but Karen, I rebuild your life. I didn't do anything wrong. It was all her. There you go. <laughs> Not. <laughs> and and for those people who do feel completely like none of it is is um, my fault and it's all his or her fault, I don't think they'd be listening to your podcast, Rich, to begin with. But um, but but if you are, you're generally you you're not going to be a good fit because the huge value and my own personal growth was in keeping my eyes on me and understanding what I brought to the table, my, my shortcomings, my wounds, my, my judgments, my insecurities, everything 
that I brought, because if I'm looking at him, I've already decided he's part of my, not part of my past. We have children together, but we're not going to be in relationships. So why would I focus on him and his, his issues at all? Mm-hmm. So, so the beauty of the beauty in the pain of divorce is it's absolutely like a, a brilliant opportunity uh, to work on yourself because you're struggling so much. You're so tender. You, you so deeply want something different that that you can do that work and really catapult well, forward. And let me back you up, <laughs> even with the example that we led into this with, uh, you know, it, the clients I've had who felt that they had someone who was very toxic and abusive on the other end and that they were receiving it because they had grown up with that experience. There was always for them a lesson in what, why do I continue to receive it? What's the lesson I want to give my children, you know, about relationships and about tolerating behavior that feels toxic. What changes do Mm -hmm. I need to make so that I can deal with this personality uh, so that I, what do I need to know about that personality so that I can, the, you know, you're, they're stuck with them. They have children with them. What do I need to learn about this person so I can have an effective, effective meaning get stuff done relationship? What are the lessons I need to teach my children so that they can have an effective relationship with yes. this person and not become like them and not be tainted by them without pointing the finger at them? How do I teach my children about that kind of toxicity without finger pointing and polluting their whole parenting relationship with their mom or dad on the other side, there's a lot to be learned, even if you think or feel that you are exclusively a victim here. Absolutely. And that's where um, the teaching around boundaries and healthy communication and being able to disagree without it being contentious. You just get a gun, but that's... (laughs) Yeah. That's a bad joke. I'm sorry. I just just spent 20 days in Phoenix and uh, there was a whole shelf of coffee that was all dedicated to um, rifles and people in the military. And I was just like, wow, I'm I'm in Phoenix. Like we don't have this in New York. All right, uh, how can people find you and how can they find this amazing program, which uh, when this podcast comes out, it should be just in the getting ready to launch if not already getting started. Yeah, thanks so much for asking. So the, the website is journeybeyonddivorce.com. Uh, and on the homepage, we have a free giveaway, our divorce survival kit. And uh, attached to that will be uh, an invitation to uh, to pre-register for our get off the fence and leave your high conflict marriage. Sweet. So people can go to Journey Beyond Divorce. And we have our podcast, Journey Beyond Divorce. So feel free to tune in and listen to that too. And all that good stuff will be in the podcast and video blog notes if you didn't have a second to write it down. So don't freak out. The information's out there. Karen, the question that I ask everyone when we get to the end of the show, and sadly we are at the end of the show, is what is the legacy you want to leave behind? Yeah, great question. I I, I would say that um, breaking generational chains is a huge passion of mine to, to help our clients and our followers see the impact um, that unhealthy relationships are having on their children and to learn and then pay forward to their children um, all that they learn. My my kids are in their 20s and their emotional intelligence is off the charts compared to mine in my 20s. And I, and I see that and I think, wow, if we all do this going forward, 
uh, we will be raising healthier generations and breaking some of those chains. Sweet. I love it. I love the idea of breaking generational chains, um, emotional, genetic, and any other that you can think of. Yeah. All right. Well, listen, it's been great having you on the show. I hope we can do this again sometime. Thank you so much.